Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. If you're hearing my voice right now, you probably haven't slept for more than an hour at a time in days. Maybe weeks. Maybe it's three in the morning. Maybe you can't remember the last time you showered. You dread hearing that cry, those little tiny grunts coming from the bassinet, telling you your baby's getting hungry. Again. Wasn't it just 20 minutes ago you put her back in there? I know all this about you because 10 months ago, I was just like you. I thought, this is my new forever. It's always going to be like this. What have I gotten myself into? But the thing is, it changes. Before you know it, you're thinking about how to get your baby to take two naps a day, how to keep her from crawling out of the kitchen while you're making breakfast. And those early struggles when you're just in survival mode are just a blip, a very intense blip. And that's what this podcast is about. I'm Hilary Frank. This is the first episode of the Longest Shortest Time podcast. My first guest is Ann Saylor. She's um, the teacher at the little baby music class where I take my daughter. And uh, of course, she's very musical. She um, got it from her mom, who uh, used to make up songs about her and sing her lullabies. So 10 years ago, Anne brought her son Jacob home from the hospital, and she had what I think is probably the most universal problem that any new parent could have. Her baby wouldn't stop screaming. It would start around 11 o'clock every night and would go on for hours, just this high-pitched, never-ending wail. So Anne and her husband tried everything. They tried bouncing the baby, swaddling the baby. They even tried this thing where they put him in his car seat and just swung him back and forth and back and forth, which worked, uh, but it was super heavy, as you can imagine. And after a couple nights, it didn't work either. So one night after just trying all this stuff, Anne collapsed in a rocking chair. And I thought, all right, I can sing. I have this power. I have this power, right, right. And this power has been passed down to me from, you know, through generations in my family. And I, I, we can do the lullaby thing. Okay, so do you remember what the first song was that you tried? Yeah, I tried Baby's Boat, which is the song that my grandmother sang to my mother and my mother sang to me. Baby's boat, a silver moon. And... It totally didn't work. He, if anything, screamed louder. And he um, was arching his back, you know, like, no, this is absolutely the worst thing you could possibly do. Sail, baby, sail out across that sea. Only don't forget to sail back again to me and then I started to get um, a little bit you know, in my head about it and I'm like well 
clearly listen to the words, you know, like babies, like sailing out away from its mother. So in your head, you were thinking he's just he's reacting badly to the words. He's reacting badly to the words. Maybe it's the tune. You know, I know some grown-ups process minor songs as sad. So then I started to sing You Are My Sunshine. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know. So he continued to arch his back and scream. Please don't take my sunshine away. All of a sudden, the words, please don't take my sunshine away. Now I'm like, oh, my God, again, I've got this song that uh, has some crazy, terrible subtext. So what happened that night? Um, I, I, I felt like um, we'd try a lot of things to help this baby not be in so much discomfort or pain or in ourselves to be in so much discomfort and pain. And when I had that aha, that, oh, I can sing, you know, that'll, that'll soothe him. And that didn't work. It really did feel like that was the last good idea that I had. Um, and I felt like, <laughs> like what I had to give wasn't enough. Couldn't help him. I totally know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, so, so your son is now 10 years old, and um, he can talk yeah. and express himself in ways other than arching his back. Um, how does he feel about lullabies now? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, my daughter is two years younger than Jacob, and one night I was in her room singing her a lullaby and he was in his room next door and he called out mom can you please stop singing it really interferes with my going to sleep process (laughs) he said it like that he said just just exactly like that (laughs) he's a precocious little guy but um you know we ran in to um, a Jacob science teacher at this restaurant opening in town, and she came over and she said to me, does he sing at home as much as he sings in class? And I, I had no idea how to answer it because I don't know how much he sings in class, right? And, and she said, yeah, he, he's almost constantly singing. So I think that he uses music to process the world. And... Thinking about this whole lullaby context, knowing now how musically charged he is, it really does help me feel like he wasn't rejecting music (laughs) or wasn't rejecting me. Ann Saylor is a Music Together teacher and a jewelry designer in Montclair, New Jersey. Thanks for listening to the Longest Shortest Time podcast. I'm Hillary Frank. More episodes are coming soon at longestshortesttime.com. And I'm looking for more moms and dads too uh, to interview about the truth about early parenthood. If you've got a story about struggles with eating, with sleeping, with breastfeeding, with bottle feeding, with recovery, with anything, 
go to longestshortesttime.com and click contact. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.